Um, hi, Lisa. Hi. <laughs> so you've applied to every arts grant under the sun. But maybe all those YouTube plays are really just your mum. You learn lines all night and wait tables by day. Or maybe you've made it, but can't help reading what the trolls have to say. Well, we say thank you for sharing the things that you make. Thank you for sharing the joys and the heartbreaks. Thank you for sharing the darkness as well as the light. Feel free to be funny, sarcastic, or sad, or uncertain, or exceedingly polite. Honestly, honesty is the best policy. Sharing your truth can bring love or hilarity. Somebody listening might just begin to share too. Thank you for sharing. Welcome to Thank You for Sharing, a podcast to open up conversations with artists and creatives about mental health and self-care. And this is series one. It's finally here. I confess, I did record this very first episode in June last year, even before the Edinburgh Fringe episodes. And check those out if you haven't already. Wonderful chats with the fantastic actor-writer-comedians Jos Norris, Jen Wakefield, Alice Marshall and Helen Monks talking about self-care tips during the festival. And if you're completely new to this show, check out the Coming Soon trailer episode as well to find out a bit more about me, why I chose to set up this podcast and how I hope it can act as a small contribution to challenging mental health stigma and promoting open, honest conversations between us all about our mental health. There's also a little season one trailer episode with snippets of the interviews you're going to hear over the next few weeks if you just can't wait. Uh, follow us on Twitter at TYFS podcast and email thank you for sharing podcast at gmail.com with any inquiries or feedback. A reminder that there are no medical professionals involved in this. These are all individual opinions and journeys that hopefully can just offer a little bit of relief and reassurance to anyone struggling out there, help you know you're not alone. And if you are ever affected by anything we discuss or feel like you need some mental health support, a list of help and support lines and websites are always listed on our show notes every week. And week one is here. We're in. We're off. Let's go. So my first episode is an interview with Lisa McMullen. Lisa is a brilliant writer working for stage and screen. She's currently writing for multiple TV shows. Her next episode of Doctors is out on May the 14th and her first episode of EastEnders is out on May the 16th. So put those dates in your diaries. She's a prolific writer for Big Finish Productions with loads of Doctor Who audio drama already released and available to purchase from their website and loads more coming. One of her most recent episodes was the 8th of March, released on International Women's Day, featuring all female writer directors with female characters from the show, which was met with massive cheers from fans all over the world. And I can't wait to listen to it. She's currently developing original TV projects with fantastic production companies, Hattrick Mercurio, Wall to Wall and BBC Studios, and has more great original stage plays on the back burner for when the time comes. I first met Lisa at a stand-up gig in Tooting Market, Hooting in Tooting, uh, quite a few years ago now, when we were both uh, venturing into the stand-up world. 
I remember she was first on the bill and it is just always so great when you're gigging when someone's so naturally funny and fab just starts the night off with a bang gets the audience on your side and chuckling away and um, it was great it was a great night and we had a little chat after our sets and ended up linking up on Twitter and I then saw quite a long time later that she was putting on this really intriguing play called Rapture and I messaged her to say how cool it looked and, uh, and to wish her all the best for it and if she's looking for actors I'd definitely be interested and and she was so and through our messages we realized we had loads in common uh interestingly i couldn't make my first audition because i was going to see ruby wax someone who's done phenomenal things for the mental health industry and we both bonded over our big love for her and then my audition ended up being loads more chats and then a quick read at the end when realized oh no i'm running out of time and I loved working with her so much. I love her writing. I love her as a person. We've been great friends ever since. We both actually had interesting moments with our mental health during uh, our second um, outing with Rapture. And we talk about that a bit on the podcast. Um, so she's been a really important person in my mental health journey. She's also one of the first people I told about this podcast and the first one who said she'd be on it. You'll notice immediately the time lapse as we start talking about the episodes of EastEnders that explored knife crime and how powerful and groundbreaking that was last year, as well as some references to Gareth Southgate and the World Cup later on in the episode. You'll also notice it's super long. It is a very long episode. Uh, I do confess that I mentioned this a bit on the trailer, but the editing process has taken a little bit of a toll on my mental health. Oh God, the irony! Looking after my mental health. That has to be my ground rule number one on this because otherwise I'm just a massive hypocrite. So you'll be pleased to know, I hope, that I have reached out to wonderful friends. I've talked about it and why it's hard for my particular mental health struggles and and ensured guidelines for how I can continue to do this healthily. E.g. ensuring I only talk to my interviewees for an hour, no matter how much I want to continue talking to them. And, And just setting, you know, personal deadlines of how long I'm allowed to listen through and then edit and then send it off. Anyway, but hey, you know, it's a podcast. You can play and pause as much as you like. There's no deadline for you to listen to it. And I, you know, I hope that that's not off-putting and I hope, you know, you can get a friend to go, oh, mate, I think at, you know, one hour ten, that's a bit that will be really, you know, helpful for you specifically. However you want to do it, I do really hope you get to listen to it all because I, it certainly had a huge impact on me talking to Lisa and I hope it's really helpful for you as well. We discussed what Drew to the creative industry. Her writing highlights so far. Her relationship to mental health through her life, her experiences with anxiety and depression, mindfulness, medication and cognitive behavioural therapy are all things that come up on this episode. And we discuss our aspirations for mental health support to be boosted throughout our industry. The stage of reporting stories all the time of how institutions are improving. Michaela Cole did a fantastic lecture, the James McTaggart lecture at the Edinburgh TV Festival last year, talking about the huge importance of improving safety and transparency transparency within our industry. So I really recommend you read, watch or listen to that. And more support organisations are being set up. So let's keep it going. Trigger warning, we do touch on the subject of suicide. And again, anyone needing any help or support with these thoughts at this time, you are loved, you are valued. Please do reach out and look at our show notes for websites and phone numbers of how you can get support right now. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoy my chats with Lisa McMullen. Dennis is really like all the nice. Did you prime- see? Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, I thought they did that so well. Yeah. It was just so moving. I just sobbed through the whole episode. It was 
really well done very powerful really brave as well yeah and you must feel as a writer with them so excited to be part of that of realizing the power that soaps can have in that yeah I think because they reach such a huge number of people yeah you get I think that is the privilege and also the responsibility of television because you are going you're in people's front rooms it's not like cinema or theater where people have made an effort to go out they are it, it's almost a little bit invasive because you switch on the tv and you're there hi <laughs> they've chosen to I mean, they can, <laughs> if you're overridden they can change the channel true you don't want to do but there's something very personal about you know people sitting eating their tea yeah in the gym jams yeah it, it's almost like you're part of the family and I feel that way sometimes when I'm watching a t- usually Sunday night type tv yeah that's a great slot I guess um, isn't it which yeah. is really comforting and we'll get on to the mental health thing later but I Absolutely. think that tv can be a huge comfort uh if you're struggling or you're feeling lonely like sometimes I'm <laughs> And it's, I think old, my nan used to do this, like you, she'd have the TV on all the time and say for company. And I'd think, oh, bless. Okay. Uh, or the radio, just on in the background so that you've got other voices, characters in the in the room. In the room. Yeah. You... Oh, God. Because <laughs> you get used to it, especially with soaps, because you feel like you yeah. know these characters yeah. and you're part of their lives as well. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, there's something not bonding about it but that people they take people take ownership of those characters and they get very cross if you do if the writers make them do something that they don't think that they do oh yeah i think any mirror held up to the world is disturbing just because it's reflecting the world which is do you think that's an interesting comment which which, uh, yeah and i think think we're inherently that could play into this idea where inherently we like to hide from, not hide, not consciously, but not, not fully acknowledge possibly what's going on. Siren going past. No, the world's on fire. No. That, yeah. In that we... It's, it, it, in order to grow, you have to face... Um, the reality of your situation and um, yeah. whether it's good or bad and I think yeah but I don't think you have to do that all the time no <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes it's it's better to not confront the realities of life well and, and show an alternative and yeah 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 or, or, or something fantastical which is yeah better um I like dystopia, but also sometimes, you know, a little bit of utopia is nice as well, isn't it? Just a little so bit of I- <laughs> idealism. And What's your favourite utopia art thing right now? Do you have anything oh. that you you look to as a switcher? Well, it's not utopia. Well, it, it, so my favourite escapism is, is the world of Doctor Who. Course. Which I think is an ideal. Uh, the doctor, the character of the doctor, I think is a very idealistic character, um, flawed but with ultimately hopeful that at everybody, no matter what species you yeah. are, <laughs> that there is goodness there, and yeah. that the good, the good always wins out. Um, and I need that from... Although I don't write that. That's weird, isn't it? Cause I, I was just singing it, yeah. I love a satisfying ending. 
And I rail at TV dramas that leave things hanging. But I find it very hard to write a nice, neat ending. I like to leave it either open or kill somebody off at the end. But I think that makes sense. That You can see a place for both of those things. And because, personally, as a viewer, I guess maybe because your brain as a writer does gravitate more towards that kind of ambiguity and really kind of holding up Mm. a mirror because that's coming from you you do crave the opposite when you then go to um to kind of yeah watch your own things and and not and nonsense i love i love sci-fi and fantasy lord of the rings and all that stuff that is about this world but is not set in this world well, some say that's the more powerful way of doing it sometimes. I have a friend who's like, yeah, if, yeah. You, if you put it in... Well, sci- yeah, sci-fi, yeah, I guess, as well. And, yeah. Mm, but I know. Mm, mm, it's mm. a place of everything. <laughs> so, uh, ha- I'm stealing this a bit from Bryony Gordon, who has a brilliant podcast called Mad World, where oh, she talks okay. to about mental health as well. So yeah. I'm just like, adding on to the conversation. But, like, just, how, how are you doing today? Um, very well, thank you. Yeah, yeah I'm good. Um, busy, this is nice, actually. So I'm busy, busy. It's nice to do something other than just writing. Because na- cause this is, uh, drum roll, as we all know, artists uh, have to kind of dabble in a lot of jobs that sometimes don't have anything to do with art, sometimes have a lot to do with art. So Lisa has been teaching Lambda for quite a while. And yeah, dra- I mean, drama teacher for drama teacher. donkey's years. Absolutely. Since yeah. A hundred years ago. Sharing your wisdom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, since for now a few weeks, you are officially a full-time professional writer. <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous, it's isn't amazing. it? Um, so you're really... So, so, but then... So that's a really, obviously... Uh, fantastic experience but and you're also saying that, that because as a writer it's quite a solitary task and, and it's where you're kind of you're doing that it's nice to do something different you know to, to it's yeah. just it's nice not to be staring at a screen mm. which is lovely I find I, weirdly I find that I get a bit car sick if I'm staring at the computer screen for too long I get a kind okay. of motion sicknessy thing yeah. Um, which took me ages to realise what it was. I kept thinking, having waves of nausea and thinking, oh, I feel a bit rough. And then I realised that it was only whenever I'd been just glued to the screen for hours and hours and days and days on end. Oh, my God. Which is... is it, it's, it's nothing to do with, like, a eyesight thing? Or no, like, it's I think a... it's to do with the brain... I don't know. The, the motion sickness is because your body's doing one thing, but you're eyes don't compute that you're moving so your eyes ah. see everything as static but your body's going no we're moving up and down and so your brain gets confused and it makes you feel ill oh, wow. and I think it's a similar sort of thing yeah so my body's not moving but my eyes are darting around I don't know this is my theory I'm Do not you- a medical professional <laughs> officially there are no medical professionals on this <laughs> I do think it's it's to do with what's going into your brain through your eyes and I, do you know I don't know well, but no, I wonder yeah it'd be interesting to uh, discuss it with other writers I think and whether there is anything one can do about it do you, have you ever I mean this is quite uh, do, you, do you ever handwrite is that something um, you do? I do when I'm planning stuff yeah okay. um, so I'll write notes um, 
and I'll do pie charts and not pie charts, mind maps, <laughs> pie charts <laughs> and graphs. The same you um, feel. Yeah. A little bit bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I do, I, when I'm planning, I handwrite stuff I, with a pencil. Mm. It's my preferred weapon of weapon. choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. But not scripts, you can't, because people expect you to email them to them. True. I know. I just, yeah, it's interesting. I wonder. I have such a, it's it's not the best habit. I have such a, like, fix-it brain. So if you produce a problem to me, I'm like, right, okay, I'm going to have to add that on my list of things solved to make sure Lisa never gets... <laughs> but it's okay. It's just, it's just, it makes me stop for a bit, which is good, because otherwise... Well, that's, there's that. Yeah. Time yeah. passes and it's suddenly it's dark outside and you've been staring at a screen for... Yeah, yeah. well, I want to talk about that. I want to also ask you, is there anything, um, you know, up to this point where you like a kind of a highlight for you, a memory of, I say, your favourite, something that stands out to you of your, uh, a highlight of your work, basically, of a moment where you were like, (laughs) you see, people find this really hard, but I think it's important. I think in this industry it's really important to look back and go a moment where you were like wow I'm so, like this what a great thing to be doing I this I think it's a series of okay. moments I don't think you could pick one because there's one and then there's another one and there's another one and there's a so right. I mean the first play just to have to see a poster that said Siren Song by Lisa McMullen yeah. That was amazing because yeah. that was the first time that I'd done anything like that. Um, and then Rapture, Rapture, I just love because the little group that we worked with were just the loveliest, loveliest group of people, and it was it was such a. I I I think I mean I was fairly had a a fair few mental breakdowns over the course of well, this the two we'll years we did it as did I but not, <laughs> but not actually connect well sort of yeah not directly connected to the play but sort of linked to well yeah I suppose so yeah it, it broke me <laughs> yeah and I was gonna say straw that broke the camel's back because uh, you know you're yeah, you're, you're, you're working, as we all know about fringe theatre, you're working under very um, unstable, you know, financially and security and everything. Yeah, and and then, I was working full-time as a teacher. You were working full-time. The and world was, was falling was, apart I was, with Brooks. I was, I was marking GCSE yeah. drama exams. Oh, my God. Um, we all voted on Brexit. We had a general... It was just... Yeah. Was, yeah, it was, it was... And there were elements of the play that were reflected, yes. you know, in terms it was, of... The, it was, it yeah. was a bit too prescient. Yeah. Um, so we know, I love that we're talking about, like, amazing moments and we've gone... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of the greatest things I did broke me. Broke me. Several times. And I felt so alive. <laughs> Uh, so uh, yeah I'm proud of it and I met the most amazing people Um, and it it also scarred me (laughs) no but I do love what you said I think that's a really important point and I'm sure that will come up a lot is that actually that's kind of why we do what we do because uh, we get this uh, um, privilege to have a variety and um, to meet so many people and to uh, to um, to to try do you know what I mean to like to 
put something out there mm. and share it with people and actually people turn up and people talk about it afterwards <laughs> and I think uh, yeah I can imagine for you obviously the first time is I mean different. if more people had turned up we could have paid the actors <laughs> <laughs> we will let that go um, uh, we because we all we all came into it f- not for that because again as we know um, in this industry uh, we have to make decisions like this all the time and we yeah. so we were all working other jobs as well and this is what and again mental health can be a huge thing but um, so on, going along with that then um, when did um, oh no actually why did you want to be a writer when did you first decide to work in the arts um, from the work in the arts from as young as I can possibly remember, from the first time I did the nativity play at school, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I got I was, I was promoted originally cast as a carol singer, mm-hmm. and then Mary. Oh my gosh! And if you're out there, I'm so sorry. What she, do you mean? I what? don't think she was doing a really good job. <laughs> So you basically swapped her with me. Wow. Um, she's really awful, isn't it? I, I mean, was thrilled. She, did, did she, she was she still in the show? Yeah, she became a Carol Maybe she'll singer. Maybe she come on the podcast <laughs> and we can talk about this moment. <laughs> I don't think she's working it. She might be working I don't know. We haven't had any contact for, okay. for years. Okay. So you, so you played Mary in the Nativity? So I'm, I'm from, you know, from that moment on. I, so I wanted to be an actor. That was my... Right. But... I also wanted to be a novelist. Amazing. Um, and I used to write plays at school. Hmm. Um, but I never thought of it as a career until four or five years ago. Never. It just wasn't on my radar. I went to drama school. Yeah. Um, was a really terrible actor for two, three years. We're going to come back to this because I've seen Lisa step up to the plate <laughs> and that was incredible. So we need to talk about that. But yeah, so you trained, yeah, and you did all that. And then realised that I was never going to make a living as an actor. I gave it up really quite quickly because I... After <laughs> like... So, <laughs> so I, at the age of 24, I thought... Do you know what? Acting is not going to be for me. <laughs> um, and then the only thing I could think of was to be a drama teacher. Because I thought, what else can you do with drama? Yeah. But weird now when I realised that I could have done a million things. Um, and so I went off to be a drama teacher and loved it. And you worked Hated around the world it. as well. You, yeah, yeah, yeah I worked um, in Malawi for a couple of years. And, yeah. And yeah, so it was full of extremes. Yeah. Um. But some of the extremes were... I, actually, we're talking about mental health and the arts. Teaching yeah. is... We won't get into that here, but, but I think there are no, quite a few. It's, it's a profession where I don't think I know many teachers who haven't been off with stress or depression yeah. or prescribed um, antidepressants. It, it, it's pretty what's the word um, brutal <laughs> um, but it, it, it insidious yeah. like it, 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 yeah it's, it's such a difficult job um, so I feel like this is this is a holiday to write for a living is just a treat and a dream wow. and it, it, it's so much not like work um, yeah Anyway, but I did it for 10, 15 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then a friend of mine who I went to drama school with, um, who was an 
on-off factor, I guess, um, said, oh, write a play and then I can be in it. <laughs> I, said, I mean, that is a good thing. <laughs> the actors, like hungry, hungry actors <laughs> being like, wait, you write, just please write me something. Because so, I remember the first time, yeah. even when I saw you do stand-up, I was, I remember thinking, oh, I'd love it if someone, if Lisa, could, could you write something for me? Like, <laughs> to have someone else write it, even though I do write, no, I am writing. <laughs> but I was like, oh, I'm lazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's interesting. And so, and that, if he hadn't have asked that... I might still be teaching. Well, uh, I think you would have... No, I don't... Because yeah, what I mean, teaching plays... Yeah, it's... it's. But this is... You said, um, you know, I you could have done loads of things, but you went into teaching. And I do... But again, I do think because it's a unstable career, like, you do... Of course, when you've just left education and you're in debt and stuff, you're going to go for something that's... You're going to get that extra padding of like, support. and I was I was the first person in my family to go to university. Wow! Which is it? See, right now it's see, but I've never had any doubt that I would go to university. Yeah, my parents instilled something in me that made me absolutely sure that I would do GCSEs, then A levels, then go and get a degree. That's so um, And they supported me doing drama, which I think really was phenomenal because they must have been inside going really. First one in the family to go to university and drama as well, because I could have done anything, you know. Yeah. <laughs> could have got a <laughs> Isn't there a song like, I could have been, I could have been a... So I think when I finally became a teacher, they were, I know, they were just delighted and thrilled. And I still, I think they still think that the writing is a, it's, it's a hobby. Even when I say, no, oh, this is... This is what I want to do as a as a job as a. Well, career. they can't think that now because like it's supporting it's, you. I think it's still a little bit like you get paid. They say that, but well, again, you get paid for this. I do think that's an interesting conversation as well because uh, no matter what level you get at in this world, it is a job where you're commissioned, you do a project, and then it, so yeah. the, so there are times. I I, I think it's um, oh what's her name. There's an actress... Oh, and I'll add it on to the bonus features. <laughs> she, like, goes back to work at her local pub between gigs, and she's really successful. Uh, daughter of another famous actress, Rachel... Um, okay. uh, Rachel Sterling mm. is the actress. Thank you, Google. Thank you, pausing equipment, <laughs> for me to be like, you killing so many Yeah, so... That, and this idea of... Uh, if I'm not earning my money from my art, am I an artist? Yeah. And that, I mean, in the social way of we look at the world, you would be told you're not a lot of the time by people. But I think it's a really... Yeah, there was something yeah. in the news or whatever, literally yesterday or within the last couple of days, um, might have been the stage, but... The, a real drive for actors on any artist really to say yes I am a waiter and an actor and to claim the job that pays the bills um, I saw that too I think it was embarrassed about it yeah yeah Lingana. we love you Lynn. it was it was you're the oh, best I love her she's the best yeah no you're right how um, great is that yeah and yeah there is that tendency to try and brush it under the carpet the mm. other stuff that you do which is equally valid and also People do that for a li- for a living. I know. Um, you know, it's 
why would you why it's not less than anything else yeah. and it doesn't make you less of an artist be well, you immediately get that word added up, the struggling actor. That is, I've heard that said to me before, and yeah. I find that interesting because I don't know if... You get it with writing too, the struggling, struggling writer. writer. And obviously, like, the why why add that word to somebody's, like, like you know, like, yeah. oh, so you're, you're struggling. Well, again, that makes me think of people's idea of success and what that means. And, mm. uh, oh, how do you quantify because, it? And how it's linked to money and financial... Totally. Game. And how it's linked to um, your self-esteem. Uh, so, like, for example, I asked you now, like, are all your problems solved in every capacity of your life because you are now a fully professional writer? Are you... I mean, maybe it is, which is great. But is it like... <laughs> Do you think your mental health now will be flying high forevermore because of that fact? No, because I don't think my mental health has ever been connected to success or failure as an artist. Interesting. Yeah, no. That's a good thing. That's great. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so let's let's go down this route. Um, <laughs> uh, so, when did um, kind of yeah? When did um, mental health uh, struggles uh, the word struggle again um, first come into your life? When we when did you become aware? What was the first moment you thought, "Ooh, maybe I'm not um, feeling as healthy as I could be"? Um, my brain. Do you know, I think it's something that has always been with me, but I didn't know what it was. Didn't have vocabulary. Um, so as a child, I would have Saturdays or days in the holidays where, and your parents would say, oh, you're bored, you're bored. But I'd have this sort of deep sense of emptiness. <laughs> and, and this is young, right? Hollowness. Yeah, from, from a, a really young child. Wow. But you can't, as a, as a kid, you don't know what to do with feelings. Yeah. Um, or you don't really, you don't realise you're having feelings. Yeah. Um, and just a, a real, which I think, and it was never because of anything, yeah. never because something had happened or I was upset about something. Um, and it was just a really horrible feeling. And I used, I went through, when I was about 10, hmm. I went through a weird phase of having panic attacks in the middle of the night. Oh, my gosh. But I didn't know what they were. Um, it was around about my birthday, and I was having a party, and I don't know if it was connected to I can't imagine. Cause I but, I, again, there was nothing to trigger it, nothing... Was it you waking? Because there's a term, night terrors. Were you... Well, were I've you... always... <laughs> How long is this podcast? <laughs> I've always screamed in the night. Even in every an night, no, oh, right. <laughs> um, and it wakes you up sometimes. It wakes me sometimes. up, sometimes it just wakes everybody, everybody else up. up. So, yeah. I, I remember when I was about 17, I went to visit a friend who lived in who'd emigrated to Australia, yeah. And I woke up in the middle of the night with the whole family gathered around my bed. <laughs> oh my god, so like, what? What? And like, you were screaming, we thought you were being <gasps> murdered. I was like, oh. wow. and it really, my poor parents, they were so concerned, they thought something traumatic must have happened to me really um, that's and, interesting um, that they were investigatory in that sense. yeah right um and I I most of the time I just didn't know I was doing it because mm. I was <laughs> sleeping merrily through but sometimes it was so loud I'd wake myself yeah um, but I think it's connected to that excess of emotion or imagination or just the brain not knowing when to stop 
Yeah. And, and that came up in a play we saw recently, The Writer. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we've yeah, both yeah. seen this play, The Writer, by Ella Hickson at so the Amazing Theatre. And I specifically remember that resonating with me as well, yeah. that this kind of, what do I do with all of yeah, this? Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I, yeah, yeah, and I think as a small child, yeah. that feeling of <gasps> was the same, but I just didn't know what it was. So I'd have a whole day where I'd just sit feeling really uneasy. And well, you mentioned odd. emptiness, but you've also mentioned panic. So do you think that is a kind of already a swing between depression and anxiety? Yeah, symptoms, yeah, yeah. A kind of like one or the other. It can't be. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Um, and I don't know which is worse because they're so very different. They're so different. But so connected and... And sometimes it presents in people... Like, for example, yeah. for me, I think I, I more often than not is anxiety mm. and then I get kind of exhausted by that into my depressive uh, moments as well. Yeah. Whereas so I know of plenty of other people who are the opposite. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so did in your parents' reaction to it, did you go and did you get any sort of help for it at the time, or no. it was just left unknown, left unsaid, kind of not unsaid? But no, it was just one of those things. Things, yeah. yeah. You know, and I've always been quite melodramatic. My mum calls me dramatic Alice. I don't know who Alice was, but that's so interesting because maybe because I'm also melodramatic, <laughs> but I. I you also are very good at being very calm, very good, yeah. very good at being a strong for other people. Do you think may, is is it that you can be for other people that's yeah. can come out? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I am. Yeah, which helped with the teaching. That yeah, sort of calmness and yeah. Um, it's strange, isn't it? Because yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, quiet and calm. But I, I think that's part part of a problem as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that you? And it, it's. It, I don't like confrontation. I don't know if you're. Oh, the same. I. I'm getting better, but yes, uh, hence why I'm such a people pleaser because yeah. anything to avoid um, the idea that I've upset somebody yes. or yeah. and uh, being able to accept that that's an okay thing. It happens. Human beings are bound to do that. All yeah, that sort of I'm stuff. exactly the same. And so I think you overcompensate by placating and placating and placating and just keeping what you really feel <gasps> down. Yes, yes. And then it has to eventually... it. It has to go somewhere. So where did it go for you? All over the place. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably going to be the similar answer for that. But yeah, but no, but I think some people, like, I definitely had that, that I realised when, by the time I sought out help, I had had problems for a long time. You know, and it's, I think, uh, but it, and it, I could feel yeah. it coming, this kind of moment, but I didn't know what that was and also we were just talking about how it, it, it the unfortunate thing with mental illness is it links itself with your identity so it's like mm. if the idea of that coming to a break and a moment you so don't want it to because then you're like well that's me that's so there's something admit, i am yeah. not functioning in this world um uh how if i admit that I'm just going to be broken to people. Uh, I don't know. And, you know, that's an awful thing. And it's not true at all. But it's because it webs away into identity. So, yeah. So what What uh, was... Uh, so... And, it, moment, and, yeah. and yeah, physical, physical things don't... Uh, you don't think if somebody has 
I don't know. If you break your arm... Yeah. That's not part of your personality. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's maybe our limited... uh, It's maybe neuroscience should be taught better. Or, like, this idea of the brain just being another organ, you know? Yeah. And if that... Yeah, and it... It's difficult, isn't it? Because your feelings are part of who you are. And we put so much store by feelings and emotions and we use them to dictate our lives and to... That's interesting. ...to make decisions. Um, So, yeah, go with your gut. Go with your gut, yeah, go with your gut feeling. Um, Sometimes your gut feeling is all over the you know it's all over the place if, yeah. if you, because it's not your gut it's your brain well and i we get, yeah. we get emotion and we get thought and feel head and heart i think we try to separate when actually quite often it's the this it's yeah. the same thing yeah totally and I, I think i lost uh that idea of going with your gut i um had gone so long placating like you yeah, say yeah, like yeah. that i didn't know I had no relationship with my gut so therefore I had to ask affirmation from everybody yes. oh yeah, yeah for everything yeah because the, the yes. trust had just been broken yeah and then you and making decisions oh oh no can't do it well I can now it's getting better but yeah well I'm, I'm well, so yeah. indecisive but again I do what I think I shouldn't do is that I that I say oh that's I'm so indecisive like it's intrinsically part of yeah who I am I wasn't born indecisive yeah but I think we do that as a again I think that's a kind of society I don't want to pick the thing that will upset somebody so I would I would yes I would much rather do something I didn't want to do oh yeah than upset somebody by saying I want to do this and until but then you get to a point where you you're actually people respond to that less they actually because if we're all doing that we're actually all craving so we always love the person who walks in a room and goes actually do you know what yeah I'm feeling absolutely. this and you're like oh thank you yeah. wow look at you go and it's like but we oh yeah it's irritating mm. and maybe it's an ang- maybe it is very linked to the specific illness anxiety because that the you know the terms of what comes at like catastrophizing so yes. really yeah. the fear if you broke it down the fear you're having say because I was doing to you earlier we had some lunch together you're getting it wrong isn't it as well but also what are the consequences of that if you catastrophize they are oh that person thinks I'm an idiot like that person right you know and yeah. uh, and it, but actually the reality is uh, if you did get it wrong uh, like what's good the other person's gonna be like meh oh well she got it wrong like yeah. we don't give ourselves that luxury yeah yes, yes. <laughs> so gonna go on. But um so I, you you yeah, there's an idea of where it goes and so we, are we looking at a kind of secondary school of kind of it getting worse or um are you able are you starting to learn a vocabulary for it? When comes the moment where you realise uh you need a bit more help in terms of Um I, I mean I didn't I loved school. Yay. And um secondary school was a joy and I breezed through it and I yeah great apart from um, the auditions for the school musical which you know <laughs> left some some scars <laughs> I know but we were talking about this as well because I, I want I want this to come up at some point because 
you know, it's. I find this sad that uh, people like these kind of memories and moments from school that we, again, we like you were saying about thoughts and feelings, we tie so much importance to them. Yeah. We are such an impressionable age. And I think you have a responsibility as an educator to... Uh, to if you yes give feedback but as in you have a responsibility to uh choose your words carefully choose your bloody yeah. words carefully my god and um and encourage a sense of trying again and try and um and growing a skill and um things like falling on your feet uh falling on your feet can you fall on your feet? No. You can if you're a cat. Ooh, we are not cats. No. That's the saying, isn't it? Oh, she fell on her feet. And that's a good thing. Which means that yeah. oh, that was lucky. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, definitely. So you, yeah. So that. So did that. You, this specific experience. I mean, we don't have to dwell on it. <laughs> but as in you, you saying that that did. Did that, that was just an unfortunate thing or did that have an impact on kind of where not in a deep not, in a deep, not no I mean it's not something that's bothered me I mean other than the fact that I won't sing in public because my music teacher told me that I couldn't sing unbelievable <laughs> unbelievable it's so and to be honest and I'm a singer I still sing but it's take I had a but actually as a performer yeah because I wanted to be an actor and I had this yes rooted sense that I could not but yes to, <laughs> go on, yes. go on. So, I tried in a sort of weird aversion therapy. I auditioned for Rada when I was eighteen. Amazing! And you had to do, you know, you do a modern piece of yeah. Shakespeare and yeah. And a short song. And a short song, baby. And I thought, right, I can't sing. We all know I can't Did sing. Did you rap? Please tell me. No, have I not told you this story? <laughs> oh, oh, tell me again. So I did Hey Big Spender. <laughs> I sort of not only you were like I'm gonna do the biggest boldest freshest song um, and it must have been something to behold I would love to see that I would love to see that uh, but did it feel good did it feel good no I don't <laughs> it did not feel good it was an out so of the body experience but um, I hate that where you're in a moment and then you're you watching yourself and you're like but also I love that as someone who uh, there's something to be gained from experiences like that, I think. Yeah. yeah I, anyway. I, I think it's that feel the fear and do, do it, it anyway. anyway. Which I live by. Um, yeah. And I didn't get in. <laughs> Did you not? I didn't. I oh, wasn't offered a place. They weren't. Um, like, but that was yeah. possibly also to do with my acting skills, which yeah. were great. <laughs> but you, and 18 as well, rather. And this is, again, you know, we're talking about mental health and the arts and looking after young people, you know. Uh, I'd heard it on the grapevine as I was auditioning. You know, they prefer you older with life experience, yes. and I really get that now because you know you go if you go straight into obviously it's you know if you go straight into it and they look after you well and they treat you, teach you about business and look mm. after yourself, you'll be fine. You know, and good, wonderful. But there's also, I think, especially because it's an unstable industry, I. I'm learning the value now of, you know, no matter how successful I am, if I don't have other things in my life yeah. to root me, and I will also let to, it to make me. so that it's not just who, so that you're not just an actor. Like that yeah. is not, that it doesn't define you completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That you are a person who mm. acts, mm. but also a person who does this and this. Yeah. And this and that. Like a, you know, treat it like a craftsman. And you go and do your job. Mm. Um, yeah, 
but again these sorts of conversations need to be happening more and more in drama schools I think but um so you so you did that <laughs> we, yeah and we're talking about oh, this annoying thing that it comes up more and more teachers saying people come up to yeah and be like oh my, I can't do this because someone said I couldn't and it's yeah. like wow if we all live by that like you could tell me things now you could tell me like three things I'd be like oh, okay so not you know it's really hard you can't just I don't think you should ever tell anybody they, they can't, can't do, do anything. anything I know really odd we should do a whole other subject on because I know some incredible teachers that are just and I'd love to hear more about what they're coming up against maybe particularly in drama subjects but um yes yeah, so but so so you leave you you audition so, yeah uni be, um and there but I I mean I my sixth form was horrible I hated it that's okay. what I was thoroughly depressed I would say in, okay um but again just got through it I, I mean, I'm that old that there wasn't She's really there, was, there wasn't really a word, word for no. it. I'm there. It's very recent. I was just really, really sad, um, and had a real sense of. And there were there were some things like I hated. I hated the college I went to. Okay. Um, uh, so I felt like a fish out of water there. Hmm. Um, and so I wasn't really engaging with my studies and I all my other all my friends went elsewhere so so there were contributing factors um and family stuff as well which exacerbated mm-hmm. it but that sense and I don't know how much of it is an age thing if everybody around that age goes through I wrote a lot of poetry oh all about and I got really into Emily Bronte <laughs> But that I get. We will come back to this because this is really important about things that we gravitate to yeah. at our worst moments, yeah. and that how important that is. And that sense of I was really quite obsessed with the idea of not being part of the world anymore, mm. um, and not wanting to be part of the world anymore, and not. And I, I would I couldn't have labelled it as I didn't. It wasn't like I wanted to kill myself. Because that's a sort of active thing to do. I just didn't want to exist. Yeah, um, just to wanted escape. to go to sleep and that be it, and not wake up again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was things form. <laughs> <laughs> and somewhere in the midst of that, I sang "Hey Big Spender," which was possibly a cry for help. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, I mean that's why I asked you how you felt because I would have thought that might have been some sort of liberating <laughs> moment. Uh, and Emily Bronte, I mean, I don't know. I should definitely know more about her, but you know, as a kind of as a figure of someone to encourage that sort of like, she. I mean, she. I, I mean, the, the whole leg. Like, she was dead by the time she was thirty-two, I think, or something right. like that. But I mean. Pretty much her whole family, but you know, there were three sisters and the brother. And by the time Charlotte was the last one to die, and by yeah, just but the stories they but Wuthering Heights remains my favorite book. Wow. Um, but that is not a book to read if you're feeling a little bit emotionally well, true. But you say this, I'm also now you're talking, I'm realizing 18, I became obsessed with Sarah Kane. Oh lord, that's an even worse <laughs> person to get. But, and I was with. not presenting as 
depressed in that I was I don't have memories and no, I wasn't at all but I but there was this feeling exactly what you're saying of um maybe I I wasn't feeling it but I was very I remember reading 448 psychosis and going I know I know what she means yeah. about not wanting to be here anymore I know what I know how how tired she is. I know how confused she is uh, and how to navigate anything anymore because yeah. the more you're learning, the more you, you know, and especially if you are of a temperament, like you said, of already when you're little, starting to be overwhelmed by the feelings of yeah. being a human. <laughs> and, and that, yeah, and that brings it, like, is mental illness, is it something that, I mean, it's an illness. Mm. And I think we, quite often we think of it as something, having said I wouldn't describe it as being part of my personality, but it can still be something that you, like if you suffer from eczema or asthma, Mm. that's not part of your personality, but it's something you have to live with. True. Um, And I think mental illness is is, is the same. It's like that, Um, where it might be something that you've always had and will always have. Yeah. but it doesn't define who you are as a person or it yeah. shouldn't define who you are as a person. Absolutely. And that I find that an interesting statement as well. I think that came up the other day, like what? Def- why do we define people? You said something earlier about, oh, I don't want to be, uh, I'm, de- I'm indecisive. It feels safe to label myself as this because, oh, she's the indecisive one. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. the funny one. He's the sad one. You know, like we, what, why, why should anything define anything? I think it was... I feel like it was Robin Williams, but there was something that was said once, you know, this, and it stayed with me the whole time about this idea of the, we change every day. Yes. Every day. And, and you will have loads of things to combat through your life and, you know, understand about yourself, but they are not, you are not defined by anything, really. Really? I don't know. Sorry, that's not what you should, yeah. Oh, you, you shouldn't be. Yeah. But we like we, we like liked, <laughs> yeah. we do we like to put labels on people and we like to say this is this because I uh, as human being but that, I mean that's something in human nature isn't it and it must yeah. be something evolutionary it's safe it's safe in a very uncertain world mm. um, yeah we need to have an answer we need to to know why and we need to say that, well this is this and therefore. If I know that this is this, I can. I know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. And that you know, any sort of kind of when it when it um, gets perverted and evolves into kind of prejudice and things like you know, I always it is rooted completely rooted in like a, a, a fear of anything yes. not being not having labels. If you've been taught labels and then you take them away, and this is why I really want to talk about mental health with people like yourself because uh, I feel the mental health journey is one where you do have to face a total um, upheaval of kind of the way you um, were operating. And uh, that might sound like a contradiction because I agree with you in that totally that, you know, we are all have, have always had these things. And I think possibly then the upheaval is I had no tools to look after myself. I now have tools. Yes. And then the upheaval therefore means that you can have a much healthier way of operating through your life tools toolkit oh which we will yeah (laughs) um 
Yeah. So and so university again. Uh, then still... university loved it. Loved it. Great. Um, because I, I knew my place and I knew everything was structured. I think my sixth form days were un- very unstructured, and I love routine and I love structure. Bizarrely, because I. I don't. I hate it. That's okay. They're just completely contradicting myself. We are a bundle of contradictions. <laughs> so that's fine. Own your contradiction. But I felt totally safe and secure in who I was at university yeah, yeah. and what, what what my role was within the social group that yeah. I had. And um, and I just I was doing yeah I was just doing drama. I, 24-7 yeah. with a lovely bunch of people it was just heaven Amazing. Um, and so yeah no was totally happy and, and I know it I think there are triggers yeah. I know that with depression it does sometimes come out of nowhere and yeah. it doesn't it doesn't mean that your life is going terribly there might not be any reason for it mm. but I think it's easier to stay well if you don't have other things to to do, it's like any kind of illness, isn't it? If you are run down, mm. you're more likely to get a cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think if your life is falling apart, mm. you might be more susceptible to totally. Um, but I can also see like waves. Like sometimes you feel you have a wave of crushing sadness, mm. and you might be having the best life might nothing wrong with your life mm. and then you'll just have a day where you think well you don't even think it's not even a thought it's a it's a feeling of doom and gloom and and with your university friends um because uh, obviously what you know and we talk yeah, with arts and mental health arts produces such a wonderful community mm. um so you've got a really tight community but is there there is there any sense of if if these sorts of waves are hitting you um is this something that is shared as a, as a, as a part of life do we because i had a very similar university experience yeah. and flying high loving life uh felt so comfortable um in myself as well um and uh but we didn't talk about mental health much. I don't remember. No, no, no. it didn't. It, it, it didn't come up. Uh, even though you know, I look back on it, and I definitely we all there's a, you know a lot of us were going through things. Like, uh, but we were all yes, maybe university. It's like a bubble of like focused. I don't know. I, I don't know. But, every, but uh, yeah, but everybody has a different experience, don't True. they? There, there must be people at university, that hate it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, having yeah a nightmare of a time. Yeah. Um, but you can, yeah, I guess you can only. There's no. Everybody's different, aren't they? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. And then, but then you laughed, you. <laughs> then um, I tried to be an actor. Well, did yeah. some really shocking TIE. My favourite story from that phase of my life is doing a quick change off stage and getting my arm stuck in a costume. Uh, I went into the sleeve elbow first and I was playing Maid Marion, so I had to do this whole scene with um, the Sheriff of Nottingham <laughs> looking like I'd been amputated at the elbow. You should have worked it in with some improv. <laughs> 
<laughs> and the two of us were just so and just trying desperately not to lose it on stage Brilliant. Um, but that was fun um, yeah, so that was fun and yeah. then so yeah then I became a teacher and then I really got depressed wow <laughs> my first year of teaching was horrendous um, and again let me see I do think for me, yeah. and I know it's not the same for everybody, but yeah. my I've had, I would say, two extreme bouts of depression in my life, and they've both been connected to the rest of my life not being within my control. Mm. Oh, yeah, you're not fe- you're feeling... Or not having, like you said about tools, not having any were to go not having any treatment for it or not having yeah. any tools or just not having any support system and I do think you your gut is even if you've lost that relationship with your gut it is so smart because um, my bouts of depression I think you something's wrong and there is a part of you that knows something is wrong but you can't you have no tools you have no anything but I feel like it's the argument between you that can almost like because you're like you're stuck you're stuck yeah yeah. Yeah. um so yeah so yeah so first year of teaching and I almost gave up teaching entirely I mean it was just just not what I the job wasn't what I wanted it wasn't what I'd been hired for I was being asked to teach English which is not really what I'm trained to do yeah yeah, and I didn't get much drama teaching and I was in a relationship that was at the time, I didn't think of it as toxic, but looking back, it was toxic. Yeah. And and I just, I went to the doctors one day because yeah. I kept phoning in sick, going really, but, yeah. I, but not because I was sick, but because I just, just couldn't. couldn't face the day. Yeah. So I trawled myself along to the doctors because I think I'd been sent home from school because I just started crying in the staff room. <laughs> Wow. Bless me. Yeah. And I went to the doctors and I just sat in front of the doctor and just started crying. And he said to me, I think you might be a bit depressed. <laughs> and it was just a moment of, do you know, I think you might be right. <laughs> oh, did it, did it, it make, dawned on me. Did it make you feel better? That work, did it, what happened in you in that um, moment? Yeah, you were... Well, he wrote oh me a prescription, and I well, let's not get into the rights and wrongs of medication, but oh, he wrote really? me a prescription, and it's it was like, oh, this is treatable. This is not just me, yeah, yeah, yeah. being un- being inadequate. There you go. Yeah, it was a sense of inadequacy. Yeah, um, and it's like, oh, th- I take the pills and it will make me better. Mm. Ah, and it did. Great. But in, it's so weird. I was st- so I stopped taking them. I just what? 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 I so you were like took a few. Oh, I feel better now. So I so I took them for oh, a few months. But again, did Felt you not better. have a cut? Like maybe as well. You know, in terms of uh, you know it, medical professionals, like warnings to patients of going. You know, you you will start to feel better. That doesn't mean you can't just quickly throw them in the bin. I don't know. There's a whole. I don't remember. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Possibly, okay. um, but I just and that was so weird because I just thought, oh, I'm, I feel much better, lovely. I'll stop taking the tablets, and then I got this buzzing sound in my head, like everywhere I went, I could just hear buzzing, and I thought, good lord, now I've got something else. 
And then I went, so I went to the doctor. I said, oh, the depression's fine. I'm much happier. Um, but I've maybe got some sort of brain tumour because I've got this buzzing in my head. And he went, mm, uh, have you stopped taking the medication? Oh I was like, gosh. yeah, he went, yeah, that's one of the, 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 the side effects is that it's coming up. Yeah, so, it's, so then I went back on them. And, oh, no. The, but, so you have to come off them gradually. Yeah, but, but like a, a bee trapped inside my head. <gasps> Oh, that is scary. <laughs> oh my gosh. But again, and these things can cause, if you don't know they're going to happen, you could, you, I love it, you're like brain tumour. It's like clearly a brain tumour. Yeah. I, mean, I do catastrophise. I mean, I mean, that's why what I say to myself now, because I do, and this still happens, like, yeah. like every day I've got some new terminal oh, illness. Oh yeah, me too, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but it's really useful to remind yourself that you can't die of everything. You can't. You can't. No, and also the things you can so die of, you of might not die wrong, of. Them. Yeah, yeah. That's mm. a, I'll remember. Thank you. See, <laughs> so we're doing tools already. Yeah, literally. Um, great yeah, one for all you hypochondriacs out there. Don't die of everything. But I'm really thrilled to hear that the first doctor you met was um, uh, acknowledged it and provided a solution. I mean, I was weeping in front of him. <laughs> really bad experience oh, really? yeah yeah well, he wasn't sympathetic so I ju- and I think you know it's uh, but did he um, recommend any talking therapy to go with it yeah he did and you didn't do it I did oh, you did good I didn't I didn't like it okay tell me about that why um I just because I felt I um I don't like to <laughs> she says doing a podcast <laughs> I don't I like know, we to, don't have to discuss anything. I don't like to talk. Don't like about my feelings. Out. Shall we? Um, <laughs> thank you very much, Lisa. That was great. Um, I, I, I didn't see it as a. I didn't think it would help. Okay. Because I think by the time I'd got my tablets, so I was like, ah, lovely. This is a a medical condition. Hmm. And I, th- it, I, and I'm, sh- I'm still not sure that counselling. It's not for me. I don't think it doesn't help. What does actually? What does help is um, behavioural cognitive therapy. Cognitive behavioural therapy. All yeah. that. Yeah. Well, will you come on in BCT? BCT. No, it's CBT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because that is something active where you're rewiring your brain. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. Which, but the, the counselling I had, it was just tell me about your problems yeah and that is do you know what the more I'm learning the more with uh in my therapy journey but like loads of my friends knowing that we all need different therapies and you Mm. and finding a therapist uh you know we could go on and on about that as I'll you know in terms of uh the reason what you know part of the reason of doing this podcast is because so many people are going to need more and more mental health help and we're not going to have all the therapists to help them so we need to get in a culture of being able to be really open and honest with each other so that it softens the blow because so much of mental health uh, is exasperated by our reactions to it and our fear of it and our um, uh, as an illness it tells us we're isolated so we don't uh, that's a so it's a contradictory thing Mm. whereas what you need to do well but no but so so in terms of 
you finding a therapist but actually that therapist needs to assess you and find the right treatment for you and so a, a good therapist will go will assess that the oh the kind of broad how are you feeling today where someone who is very and again this is all personal journeys this isn't general but somebody who maybe is kind of already feeling like everything's chaotic and overwhelmed mm. cbt then goes there is a system that you can apply that you can feel safe in. Yeah. I mean, it's so illuminating to just to know that that is out there. Yeah. And to know that there are ways to deal with it and, and treat it and lots of different, and that you don't just have to accept that it's, oh, well, it's just who I am. Totally. I'm a warrior. Yeah. Um, but you don't have to be. Yeah. Um, and that sense, we were talking about this earlier, that sense of worrying that you're worrying, that you lose some of your identity if you stop worrying about yeah about things. And it's a control thing as well. The best book, I know one of the things you're going to... Yeah, no, so we, um, yeah, this is, uh, we're going to be gathering through these podcasts. We don't know the title yet. <laughs> Have, we're looking for a pun, because Lisa and I are both fans of puns. Uh, as a, uh, as a, you know, a... Uh, pool of resources I said pillar of resources yeah, a toolkit toolkit um, something where we can just recommend things that as we said we gravitated to so a book that helped you so the book and it revolutionised my I think I know life. what it is but go on you do know what it is yeah I, I just, you told me about it it yeah. changed the way that I think and the way I approach life and it was like a so the book called The Power of Now yeah um, oh gosh, I can't remember who wrote it. That's uh, um, uh, uh, he's got an old Tol- name. Tolkart. Eckhart Tolle. The correct pronunciation, I now understand, is Eckhart Tolle. Thank you, Eckhart. And it's about living in the moment and mm. and acknowledging that inside your brain mm-hmm. there's another voice chattering away, chattering mm-hmm. away that we all have. Mm-hmm. Um, and with some extreme uh, mental illnesses that, that the voice becomes something that you almost can f- physically hear like, with psychosis where you, you totally. actually hear a, a voice like it's outside of your head. Totally. Um, but everybody has it. Just yeah. it, And you think of it as your subconscious or your... Um, and I, I mean, I talk to myself all the time. Yeah. Um, mainly because I live alone and it's, you know, like my nurse, it's nice to have the company. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And also, you that is forming a relationship with yourself. It's one of the most important relationships you will ever have. Because at the end of the day, you're always with you. <laughs> Might as well like yourself. But it's to recognise that, that that voice is... It's like you just to try and to just to listen to it and to notice when you're listening to it and to notice when you're making judgments or reacting to things or and and to calm it to quieten it because it jabbers away and it jabbers away and it Mm -hmm. jabbers away and it's a constant running commentary in your brain. and that's th- often not very nice to you. That's often, yeah, usually you just you know, your own worst enemy type. Yeah. The best tip I, I got from this book was just to to, to notice yeah. that voice yeah. and to acknowledge it and to go, there you go again, and not to fight it. 
Because I think that's what we we try to fight it. We try to quash the the worries and the stresses. And he just says, accept it. If you're worried, you're worried. That's okay. Mm, it's that's all a right human thing. To worry. Is there anything you can do about what it is you're worrying about? Yeah. If there is, crack on, do it. Yeah. If there isn't, just accept that you're going to be worried. And as soon as you accept, as soon as you say to yourself, "Yeah, I'm worried. There's nothing I can do about that, but I'm worried." Yeah, I, I can. I, I'm worried. That's fine. I can mm. be. And, and suddenly, because being worried is not a bad thing anymore, mm. it's something you're absolutely entitled to do. Mm-hmm. It loses a bit of power. Well, and maybe that's again a more general conversation we need to keep having about um, shame being attached to these things yes. because that seems to be a massive yeah. part of it. If you're not, and because also some conditions can make you um, can make that voice be incredibly dark, and things that you know in a typical day to day, you are not. If you said that to someone, you're oh, oh my gosh, why are you saying such horrible things? It's like actually the fact is, uh, you know, because they're so active, we're going to get a billion things all the time, and we should acknowledge that because yeah, you accept it, and that's mindfulness in a nutshell, and that actually proves yes, the point yeah. that you were saying. It's not my personality because if I have the ability to step outside exactly. it and notice it, yes. it's not me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, there's another thing, but some people can't do that. I have a friend. Not can't, but it's in struggle with that because she, for mindfulness, she um, that stepping outside. She's like, well, that's still. I don't know. It's still linked to it. She can't find the separation as much. So it's you know, it's individual yeah. journeys. And people yeah. associate worrying with control. They think mm. if I stop thinking about a problem, it will get worse. They think that thinking about it and worrying about it is somehow is useful. Doing something is doing something yeah. absolutely, and it's not. It's not at all. What if you're in a situation where, because um, I think a lot of times it comes up for me where the I the okay do something about it. Both options are too too have too much risk attached, and then I get stuck because I've I'm again catastrophizing. I think, and therefore. I don't know. Have you, has that ever come up for you or not? What do you mean? I don't... I mean, so I think in my cycles of worry, there would be a lot of shame attached. Why am I worrying so much about this? Oh my gosh, uh, there's too many things to worry about all the time. That's generalised anxiety disorder. But then yeah. um, but then it, doing something about it, maybe again it's linked to shame, has to has to acknowledge just the people around me that I'm worried and I yes. can't want to do that. I have to be vulnerable. And I have to, yeah. to me, it it seems weak. Whereas actually, another tip for books, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, all about vulnerability. Sorry, you go. Good Because and yeah. we say to each other, how are you? Fine. I know. <laughs> That's why I asked you at the beginning. And if we were honest... I'm so... Half the time... <laughs> where the world's going But nobody wants to hear that from other people. It, I think it's a fear, They isn't do, it? though. That I, you see, I but think... But we think, we think people we don't, don't want to hear that. And we also... There's another aspect attached to that because, for me, what you... I'm getting better at it now, but uh, I would feel... If someone presented that, if you came to me and you were actually really honest and you were like, all this stuff, I'd be so... Want to fix you and so yeah. scared that I would... Be, yes, it's yeah. a fear. So actually, this idea of 
we present what we're actually feeling the other person has no responsibility to fix it yeah. and we can all then feel safe in that conversation yes. yeah, yeah yeah definitely um, and it's yeah, it, it's okay to, to feel like rubbish and to be sad or terrified and sometimes the you know that's the most appropriate response and I think it works with grief as well as well yeah. as mental illness but that we fight it and we fight that come on stiff up a lip and mm. you know and and if we pretend that we're okay we'll feel okay whereas if you just say I f- this is all I just feel terrible mm. you know how you feel great after a good cry when mm-hmm. you just absolutely own the misery oh, but I'm that person that used to put on really sad songs yes. to chill out to yeah desperately sad emotional songs yeah because i felt more light. Yeah, yeah it was more of a release and i guess you know again we link this to your career path of choice <laughs> you know uh how does your writing um how does what you do for a living in both parties are there ways that it really helps your mental health and are there ways that it can sometimes hinder your mental health what are the what would you i say? think um, I think that people who have experienced mental illness, I think part, I can't speak for everybody, but I think there's an empathetic quality that they have because they, and especially with things like uh, generalised anxiety, where you're constantly <laughs> worrying and thinking about other people and how you're and I'm wanting to solve the whole universe and mm. and so you put yourself in other people's shoes mm. all the time and other people's minds all the time and so for a, a artist a mm. writer that's brilliant great <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> because you can totally imagine how yeah. all these characters are feeling um, and then from that you think well how are they going to then behave how are they going to act on those those feelings so it's it's a gift and i think without the mental illness you wouldn't have such a degree of empathy or you wouldn't be able to and the catastrophizing is fantastic oh yeah because you're yes. constantly and that's what you have to do when you're writing drama yeah. you've got to make terrible things happen to your protagonist yeah. all the time and so catastrophe is brilliant because you're always thinking what's the worst could hap- that could happen Literally. what's the worst that could happen at drama school I remember yeah. we got to our lesson on um, life or death scenarios and I literally I remember everyone being so like ooh and I was like yeah mate I'm, I do this all the time so yeah now I'm just gonna act it out sure you're so right um yeah so that kind of uh with improvisation like you do that must help as well because you're your brain is constantly going what if this happens what if that happens what if this happens yeah yeah i mean it i think it can go both ways that actually because like well it yeah yes you let go of that um kind of you have to think on your feet. Uh, so you have to not... So, yeah, it, the, the, any anxiety to do with kind of your self-presentation has to go out the window. Yeah. And then what... And that's, I think, why people with anxiety actually get really addicted to improv because, um, because what happens then is it unleashes everything, those qualities that you know you've got to kind of, yeah, to be put into play in a really... And, you know, acting, writing, it's all... Yeah, actors must have that. I think that's what I used to love about acting was being allowed to feel things. Well, that's so interesting. (laughs) But 
because it's a part you're playing yeah it's valid yeah rather than if you're just feeling things on your own in your room <laughs> well but no but maybe that has to change and you it know does, and yeah. and obviously what we're not you know we're not saying that in order to be a successful artist a mental health problem is you have to have one i know but you what you are saying is like uh, it might be more likely just because of the way the kind of yeah i mean it's such a i know this is why we chat about it i I mean i think because we don't talk about it enough yes i think everybody at some point suffers from mental illness no matter how can you get through life how can you without it totally totally um and i don't know what you know it's a chicken and egg thing yeah are artists more prone to it or are we artists because you know well i think it's the life that comes with it as well i think it's not just this the um the job at hand of what we have to do every day but it's then the kind of the the life almost like outcast life that you become because uh you don't live traditionally and uh that and you're constantly yeah. being asked to validate yourself yeah oh my gosh um, yeah and the, this goes back to what you're saying about how do you quantify success mm. um oh as an actor you get oh anything would i have seen you in anything which immediately if you're a theater actor chances are no i know which then is like an, an admittance of some sort of defeat i get it with writing oh have you written anything i'd have seen Probably not, to be perfectly honest I with know. you. And why is that not enough for people? Why can't then they just be like, oh, okay, well, but you're right, there's a big world out there just because I haven't seen but it. But I think we do it to ourselves. Yeah, we do, yeah. Um, yeah. That we assume a negative judgment where there probably isn't one. Yeah. Have you seen anything? That, you know, would I have seen you in anything? They're just being nice. They're just being polite. It's just a conversation. Totally. Um, and in our brains we go no you probably haven't because i'm not good enough to be have been in anything that big and successful because i'm ultimately a failure don't judge me <laughs> and because there's so what a wonderful thing it is that there's so many of us that want to tell stories and if you really look at how blooming popular you know netflix amazon we're in a tv age right now mm. and like you know a the, the the amount that people depend on those things in their lives of course there's loads of us that want to that you know uh, uh, kind of feel I've always felt that that's where we're at home because that's and also this idea that that's a more truthful home than sometimes the world I think that's you know there, there, there's a there's a, a pushing for um you know, this idea you said, oh, I, I'm allowed to feel on stage because I'm not allowed to feel in life. Well, that's actually a more truthful statement about the human condition. Mm-hmm. Of course you have emotions. Of course you have thoughts. So therefore, you know. Well, I mean, that, that to go back to Aristotle. Oh, um, let's, let's do it. And his poetics. And he talks about, and this is, you know, thousands of years ago. That's incredible, yeah. And he talks about why we need art and drama in our lives. Yeah. Because we need that catharsis. We need to see or hear or watch something that makes us feel fear or sadness or pity yeah that's not happening to us Mm -hmm. um because 
it, it just it, it, it's like a, a reminder that we're all in it together well that's a really I mean you talk, think about all in it together like all the football last night <laughs> yeah. you know Gareth Southgate said before that like we need something to bring us together especially men who are encouraged you know to not discuss their feelings yeah. even more get so emotional isn't it funny yeah. how they're allowed I know to be emotional <laughs> about a game of football I know. it's valid for them to get angry and shout and yeah. cry yeah 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 about a game of so no wonder really that football footballers had that culture yeah, were yeah, yeah. because they're not well, you know historically men haven't been allowed that outlet for their emotions they're constantly yeah. told to man up grow oh, up what a phrase. you know what a phrase keep it all in yeah boys don't cry and it's just it's it's toxic masculinity is it's as detrimental to to men as it is to to women and feminism oh don't get me started (laughs) but it it, it, yeah we're gonna do like themed episodes as well because i think you know feminism in the arts and you know all these things but these things are all linked to mental health they are you're so right you're so right because how can you be mentally healthy if you're not allowed to really be who you are or acknowledge your feelings? If you're repressing mm. what you're feeling, then it, it's, yeah. Well, something I want to ask you, because, because kind of because you have done this for me, so I came to you. We'd worked together for a long time. And I uh, then was like, oh, yeah, by the way, I think I'm having a breakdown. Um, and you were really helpful in being so honest about uh, what you'd been through and kind of almost educating me in a sense of, you know, like... Uh, I, and it just makes me think... Uh, something we're going through at the moment, uh, you know, people... Uh, because you you were feeling so much you found out through getting worse and worse and worse you're suffering from depression you started getting treatment you've recommended this book you had therapy that didn't seem to work for you but you then became very resourceful in like trying to find things that did and then do you almost feel like it's, it's an extra responsibility to um kind of educate people who might not know much might not have suffered as much with mental health issues kind of um uh, do you feel confident in that now as a, as a as if someone came to you and and you, you know I don't know how it would come up um is that making sense of just kind of being very open about it and uh but has it been an extra burden on trying to feel better but also having to constantly explain to people or do you not find that ever comes up in your life um, or is it a good thing? Because actually now I'm thinking about it, it's helped me. The more I slowly am more open with people, the more I can understand more. I would never... I don't think I would ever bring it up. But I'm happy to... I don't I don't talk about it. I don't certainly... <laughs> well done you then for coming <laughs> on the podcast. I appreciate it. I don't talk about it with anybody. Certainly not my family. Yeah. Um... And not really friends, to be honest. Um, Unless we happen to be talking about it for some reason. Um, I don't. um, So no, it doesn't really. No, because you've just kind of got on with your path of 
you know uh, how to feel better in yourself yeah and i th- and recognizing it for what it is mm. is huge Ju- and as soon as once i'd realized what it was and i could look back over my life and think oh my god yeah i've had this mm, forever but i just didn't know what it was was that completely um, a positive feeling or, yes so for me it was a bit of both I was a bit yeah, aggrieved really? of like I oh, wish I really? knew known yeah but oh, yours was totally no, positive no I, I just because it that's was that's great it was like oh okay I know right. what it is I know, because yeah that's wonderful because I think you, well I can I feel like I can head it off at the pass now because I can recognise when it's starting okay and as soon as I it's a bit like being conscious that somebody's following you and turning around yeah, and looking yeah. at them. Yeah. And as soon as you go, yeah, and, and not fighting it, the, the whole power of now thing, saying, yeah, I'm depressed today and being able to just say, yeah, I am depressed. And instead of saying, how can I make myself feel better? I, I need to, but to own it. Okay. Wrap myself up in a blanket. Yeah. Cry. Yeah. Cry all day long if I want yeah. to. Because it's like if I had a cold, I wouldn't say, oh no, how can I stop having a cold? You know, you can't stop yeah, having yeah, a cold. Yeah, yeah. You've got a cold, you just got to wait it out. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I will blow my nose and snot everywhere and yeah. wrap myself in a duvet and drink Lemsic, whatever makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and so to do that with depression, like, Oh God! I, I yeah, need this today. I, today, yeah. I just need to do anything to make me feel a little bit better. Whatever I can do, I'm just gonna. But quite often, you just just crying, totally, and stopping fighting it, acknowledging it for what it is. It feels to me, I mm. obviously not for everybody, but that's half the battle. And for me to sit and go. <gasps> Yeah. And not think it's me, not think it's... It's something you've done wrong. Yeah. Not at all, not at all. Like, it's not a... Because like, I... You say, oh, wow, you're so stupid, you're so hopeless, oh, you're okay. so... I mean, because that's definitely... Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> it is so funny. And I think, no, that's wonderful, because that just makes me think... You know, like, if we were encouraged more and more to have that reaction of, like, um, of being able to just bring it to the forefront mm. and go, okay... This is happening. I need to focus on this because I think just self-care in general is so limited. You know, you see everyone just like will push themselves to their knees before they do something about because there's too many other things to do, too busy. But would that still come into play? Just say, so we're talking about work now. Yeah. So if you had a deadline and depression came along, would you feel comfortable um, telling your employer? How does that go? Um... Self-employed is quite easy. Totally. But with a deadline, if you're writing an episode of the TV programme, you've got to hit a deadline. Yeah. And be completely honest, it doesn't matter. I haven't had it You haven't had it yet. So I don't know. Let's hope you don't. I think, I would like to think... The problem with our industry is that it's very unforgiving. If you... As a teacher, for instance, mm-hmm. if you can't go in because you're ill, mm-hmm. somebody will cover your lesson. It's not ideal, but it can be done. Mm-hmm. 
if you're unwell as an actor, sometimes as an understudy, a lot of the time, especially with Fringe, there isn't. And sometimes people are paid for you, e.g. Sheridan Smith, you know, all those stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And as a writer, if if you don't get your script in on time... Yeah. It's part of a huge, massive machine, yeah. which is going to have a... And it will have a massive knock-on effect. So then that adds that layer of... Because you're letting other people down. Yeah. Not... But I don't But I don't think it's specific to mental illness. I think it's... With any illness, I think actors push themselves on stage when they're dying of mm-hmm. tonsillitis. Doctor theatre. Yeah. Doctor theatre. Um, and the same with writers, you just, you've got to get it done. Mm. You just have, it's unforgiving, the arts industry. Well, but I'm really glad we're chatting about it because I think as much as I could go on and on about um, how uh, you should be able to, and, you know, it's actually the system that needs to change, blah, blah, blah. And I do believe those things, but I think, you know, I'm only, I've been going, I've been very aware of my mental health problems for two and a half three years now maybe and uh i'm only just talking to some of my employers about it who have reacted amazingly um and i i because and again this is the reason we're doing this podcast you know i'm i would feel it's hard i would feel the same as because i as an actor and a writer you know there are there's so many of us out there and um and we also love the work so when we're employed and if suddenly this mental health starts coming in the way and that can add as well you know nobody i finally wants, got a job nobody wants a duvet day as a, <laughs> as, a as an artist because yeah. you just to be able to do oh, the job i know it's a treat <laughs> it's a bliss um but it doesn't mean it won't come and that you know i've had Anne marie duff been on the national only yeah. just finished Mac duff Mac duff Macbeth. She, um, you know, she talks about going through a massive battle stage, right? Um, In these systems, like you said, if you're a writer, you've got to get the script in because film is happy here, film is happy now. Uh, Yes, we, uh, we, I think, do you know what? Sorry, this is just coming to me. I think as an industry, we pride ourselves on timekeeping and um, professionality Mm. because time is money and actually you know at drama school if you were late you didn't come in because they wanted to instill that then so it's like so actually in such a yeah in such a kind of like what people would perceive as this floaty chaotic industry like there's actually such rigidity to it there's that saying isn't there if you're if you're on time you're late yeah you're late you're fired (laughs) yeah if you're you're early you're on time if you're on time you're late you're late you're fired yeah and so I think that um yeah, that look, that actually, but I do think because, you know, more and more people are talking about it, I do think we've got to let that go slightly. I do think we, because everything we've just didn't talk about saying we are more prone to these mental health issues, possibly because of, possibly because of what we're doing, we have to adapt because, because otherwise we will be unpl- employing unhealthy people who will not be at their best and finest Uh, I'm making that more general what I'm saying is you know uh, not unhealthy what I'm saying is we all live with mental health problems and but I'm going to function at my best if my employer if something hits me and it's out of my control because I've had kind of like post-traumatic flashbacks and stuff I can tell them we can take five whatever 
because even just the knowing of that makes my response to it far less. Sorry, I'll rant over. Yeah. No, you're you right. Can- <laughs> you're right. Um, and I th- is it getting better? I don't know. I think part of the problem is that it's such a collaborative world. Do you think that's part of the problem? Because it could be part of the solution, but go on. Um, only in terms of the people with the money. Oh, yes, those people so with the money. So if one person stops, then everybody stops. Yeah. And it's a, yeah, it's a, it's but weird, we, isn't it? Well, yes, because, you know, the show must go on. Yeah. It's that yeah, sort of thing. Is. What other industry do we have that though? Because, you, well, I think more and more actually nowadays, every industry is a bit the show must go on because... Except the trains. <laughs> <laughs> the healthiest of the lot uh, of the trains. 3.15 has been cancelled due to a lack of staff. That happens. Well, maybe that oh, is mental health that we don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ah. Oh. But do- I, mm, mm. is it doctors, nurses? I think it's... Yeah. But what, what we're saying, we're not saying, because I think people who have a, less understanding of mental health and would think people would want to do they days and not... Yeah. They might say, oh, well, well you're just going to get this world where everyone, if they don't feel like... Remember, and I disagree. I think it would produce a world where people are actually more efficient, more hungry for um, kind of um, living. Yeah. Because... Just because we're not afraid anymore of the, the tough times coming, we're not afraid of the judgment, and we don't think our careers and livelihoods depend on us being. But and also the idea that it's okay to call in sick, oh, yeah, with a physical illness, but not a mental illness. Even the idea that, that you though, make, people, yeah, don't but you that. make up a physical illness all the time. Social account, even though, yeah. What you like, or even with social, social plans, I, absolutely. Um, uh, I, I, I've. I can't come out. I've got, you know, I'm sick. I've got a bug. Yeah. And actually, I'm just too I, sad to get out of bed. I know. And but you would never say that. You would never say. Well, we're trying. Me and a couple of friends are trying yeah. to now, seeing how that goes, and it's going well. Uh, but I would only do it with my close friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and possibly more, much more so with people who are struggling because they get it. Yeah. Uh, but we were just um, discussing um, uh, kind of, uh, yeah, we were very careful, you know, in terms of um, anxiety in both of our lives has led to obsessive compulsive um, t- tendencies. Um, and so we were just talking about, you know, uh, uh, personally for us checking things when we leave a house can become, we can surpass the logic of I've checked that but we are in a routine of, well, if I don't come back, because you were saying you always come back once again to check yes, it, yeah. always, without fail. Always. Really. Leave the house, lock the door, turn to leave, turn, turn to, to leave, do it again. Yeah, yeah, just to check, just to make sure. Um, what if you didn't? Um, That's such a blunt, horrible question to someone who worries about, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I have done, so because I... It's not. I mean, there's. I am not. I don't suffer from OCD, mm. but I, there are certain behaviours which I think are linked to anxiety. Mm. Mm-hmm. That um, so I have done. Or if you're not sure, you've turned something off, and then 
for the whole the rest the of whole the whole day yeah, yeah. well that's when you know you need some help I think because I mean I used yeah the, the fear would be too much for me um to cope with mm-hmm. whereas now because of, I've had a lot of exposure prevention therapy I um know that actually it's a really good thing for me if I am um, if I have forgotten that's amazing for me because I, and then if I'm not worrying about it I'm going through a risk scenario that yes. I've made bigger in my head and that's actually really important for me to get better yeah yeah I've, yeah you get halfway down, I get halfway down the stairs and then I think did I turn off I think I did but I'm not sure I did and then by the time I'm out the door the the whole house has burnt down <laughs> Literally, that, no, that is amazing. And the whole building. Even though you're, it's right behind you, and you can see it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, I've always, from a young age. Yeah. Always. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. But it must be to people who, because I think, because I can see it for what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm able to override it, for, but for people who aren't able to override it who are absolutely at the mercy of that of that illness it must be so debilitating oh, so, uh, honest I, I just yeah it, it's it's and again the more i think you know the more we talk about this hopefully i've been so impressed with the mind website the charity mind yeah because you can go on all the different conditions you can read in depth uh, but and they will not shy away from how debilitating mm. things can be. They will also show YouTube videos where you will have a group of people suffering from those conditions, all individuals, all going through unique things. But uh, you know, and it's things like that which, to me, I think I also started to look at it for things I wasn't suffering with, and I just try, you know, schizophrenia. I tried to understand mm. more and more, so that if I meet someone, um, yeah, and I think. That can play in a lot in terms of like when we meet each other day to day. It's exactly what you said about the how are you? I'm fine. I'm yeah. fine. You might be fine, but we are constantly bumping into each other, carrying a huge history and a huge weight of things. And I think the more ready we are to to bring that to the table uh, and hear it, the better. Yeah, just to... It doesn't even have to be a huge, big unloading session. Just to be able to say, oh, I'm so happy to see you. I've been having just such a shitty day um, and so I feel a bit crap. Mm. But here I am. And, and yeah, I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, uh, Is there, you know, uh, would you like to talk about it? And, you know, it's that sort of reaction, like that kind of empathy and sometimes you know um oh i've been there uh i think yeah there was there's a video the the thing that inspired me to do this was this video um my brother made about um a woman a poet called emily who has bipolar disorder and yeah what she has this phrase of um yeah is there anything i can do to help yeah and sometimes there isn't no that's okay it's just the offer and listening make you feel yeah listening so this has been amazing can I uh, a few questions to round off sure uh what has been your proudest moment in um your uh mental health recovery um oh that's a weird question Um, tell me why it's weird because I don't think of it as something to 
I don't think of it like an achievement. Don't you? Like a, I, like if I had... It, that's weird. Isn't that strange? Because if you... Would you ask it of somebody who had beaten cancer? What's the proudest moment you've had? Well, what I would say is um, there's an element of uh, endurance and... Um, and uh, bravery in it, it's not yeah. it's not your fault you've got any of these things yeah. but it's how you cope with it um, and and especially as someone who doesn't talk about it that much to other people to no no but and this might yeah, be completely yeah. wrong but to me from the outside perspective that shows an even higher level of um, bravery endurance uh, uh, commitment to wanting to feel good again like not good yeah. that, that's the wrong phrase no, no, but no, wanting but I, to I, enjoy yeah. life and trying to find a way you know um, I don't yeah I don't think I could pick something that I, I don't think proud, are you proud of yourself no ah okay that's, no, that's great. Great. I mean I'm not yeah. not proud okay but you, they're just you, emotions I don't associate with um, I'm pleased cool and I'm glad cool and I'm happy great and relieved of course yeah um, but do you know what because it's because I don't feel like it's an achievement I feel like it's I feel lucky right and grateful is a better word for me than proud. Great. Gratitude is amazing. I am... That book, The Power of Now, I am so grateful for that book. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, that's the biggest turning point for me, reading that book. Okay. And realising that I can do something to change my gender. And it, I, it's separate from... That I can, that it's not totally out of my control. Hmm. That, or that it's okay to. Oh, I'm talking nonsense now. No, you're too. Um, this is so interesting. Please keep going. I'm. Tr- um, so the idea that mental illness is something that you it happens to you. Yeah. It's not something you bring on yourself, mm-hmm. and it's not. I don't want to say it's something you can control because. You can't control it. But I think the realisation that you can alter the way that you think Mm. and that it's okay, that it's not something you have to fight. Or it's not something that you have to... I know, I don't really... You're saying no, and that, that, that there is hope, there is light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not about changing anything you have, but the light at the end of the tunnel is the accepting... Yeah. ...and the um, tools. Yeah, yeah, accepting that it happens and just being aware that there is help and that there... Yeah, being aware that there is help. Yeah. That you don't have to just put up with it mm. but not that it's a, a battle it's really it's it's weird to choose the language to describe it no I think it's so helpful it's and it shows how individual it is I mean I, I and feel free not to answer this at all um 
have you are there have you faced much stigma in your life towards it? No, because I don't tell you don't anybody. Do <laughs> well, <laughs> that's so interesting. That's so, yeah. But uh, from someone who knows you well, I think you would deal well in the face of it because you've built up a resilience uh, yeah. in yourself. You've, you, you, you are very... You're pleased and glad and, <laughs> you know, you, and relieved in, in your yeah. abilities now. I, I personally think you should be really proud of yourself too. <laughs> um, no, but you don't but have... It's but then, of, yeah, I don't... It, it, do you know what it's because... Um, yeah. I worry... It's trying to avoid okay. suggesting that it's your fault or that people who... It's not your fault. It's your. It's proud of your response to something that was out of your control. Yeah. So proud doesn't, in my head, doesn't suggest it, that that you made it happen. It just you responded mm. well to something through you. Because I understand you're hugely grateful for other things, these resources. But it is also about how you respond to the resources. And I think everybody is capable of responding well. And it's stories like yourself that hopefully people listening yeah. go. I read this book. I didn't talk to many people about it, but I used my, you know, a bit, my everything I am to yeah. find a way, and that's amazing. And I feel, I feel like now I can. I mean, you know, never say never. Yeah. But I don't think because I, I know it's there. I know it's a thing mm. that it's not just it me. Yeah. I feel like, and I feel like I can stop it from getting worse, from snowballing. Because when I just thought, oh God, I feel terrible, I feel awful, I feel sad, I feel useless, I feel hopeless. Mm. Before I realised it was a mental illness and I just thought it was me being rubbish at living. (laughs) (laughs) And it gets worse and worse and worse. But now that I know that's what it is, I can go, right, okay, well, there are certain tricks and certain tools that I can use to to keep it at bay and to to get over it and to get past it and I, I just worry though about people who are in that dark dark place yeah. not wanting them to think well I does this make me less of a person I know if, what if you're I saying now if I don't have those tools if I I can't. totally I totally that makes so much sense now yes and I would hate that too and I and I I, I, I yes it is not. Uh, Yes, because yeah, that that could have the connotations of, oh well, why aren't I able to do it? And why? And I, yeah, I'll think about that more because I would hate to to think that. that I think it's more because I, you know, yeah, I think it's more. I want to help instill uh, a self belief um, that um, things to, will get better. Yeah, and to be able to say to those people who feel like. It will never get better. There is no hope, no yeah, light. Yeah, yeah. But when you're in that place, you don't believe. I know, that. and it's so it's so hard. Well, I'm celebrating the tiniest. So, like, if you're in that funk and you're, you know, and you're not able to do anything, I would turn to that person and go, "Well done, because you've accepted you can't do anything." So you, I mean, you you must you must hold that. 
as something but again you're right yeah no I'm gonna really think about this because then to be proud of it's like you know effort or not effort but like I you know I would just want that person to know that by by what you said you know in your first ways of no and how you deal with it that is amazing thing if you just can accept it and respond accordingly yeah yeah and just to just hang on to not you don't have to do anything just be just yes just be yeah just yeah just oh, I don't yes know. it's hard there's it? no pressure on on anything you are in this place you don't have to cheer up you don't you have don't to have to pull yourself together yeah you wrap yourself up in your duvet yeah if that helps at all and you just just be if, if all you can do is just stay alive just do that just yeah. do that yeah and that will be a monumental achievement if you're in that dark place absolutely the tr- that that famous phrase these things uh, this too shall pass mm. uh I think is key and yeah and keep keep going and just yeah just trust it's it's so hard it's really hard because when you're in that place you don't think you don't believe it and you know and that's uh yeah again you know it's really important yeah using the right terminology like not terminology but not you know it's uh and this is why yeah I hope I hope you've even though you don't talk about it that much, I hope. <laughs> Except for two hours. For two hours, three hours, maybe. I hope you've uh, found it helpful, and it is a yeah. And uh, I would, um, I'd love to talk to you again. I know we've talked about, but I just think I'd definitely love to have you in to discuss certain themes maybe and certain that like you know go into like a discussion with other artists that about, would be fascinating yeah that yeah. would be great a, like a round table a round table that would be lovely yeah. I would love that because I think we've touched even just in those final moments touched on things that I would love to to really unpick yeah and the um, idea of yeah. what you talked about stage fright and panic mm. attacks um, which is a whole other it's connected to anxiety, I guess. But the, there's something about a panic attack or a st- that is illogical. I mean, uh, most anxiety is illogical, mm, but there's something mm. that comes out of nowhere that has a physical... It's the physical effect on you. Totally. That the end of the world is nigh and you're about <laughs> to die. And, and that that fascinates me, That how your brain can go into this bizarre fight or flight mode yeah um well that's when, how yeah. It, yeah and how it's triggered and mindfulness then again like stepping outside of the sim noticing the, what's yes. happening to your yeah, body yeah. and going oh i see that's what's happening yeah yeah oh because very quickly uh an amazing uh well one of our cast members actually well, I also uh, fainted on stage. That's another thing. I had a panic attack on stage. Um, Rapture had a few panic attacks. But Lisa stepped up to cover <laughs> mid-show press night on Baron's oh. Court Theatre when one of our um, dear cast members um, 
couldn't go on for the second half was very sick um and i just wanted to bring that up really quickly and uh, then one more thing before we finish just because it was incredible to me it was um in as someone who um it just shows how these things can present themselves you know a lot of people might say this is a this is an important thing because i struggled to admit to myself i had anxiety because i was so scared people would think uh, you know as an actor how can you have if you've got anxiety babe you're in the wrong job do you know what I mean yeah. because that's your job but actually on the I don't I have had moments of stage fright and it, but that's a comfortable place for me where, not always and we'll talk about that, that surge of adrenaline that you get yeah. absolutely um, and so for yeah but so it's contextual so for you stepping up as someone who worries but what was going through your head nothing <laughs> Do you think purposely, like, I am not in this moment. It was like, I just have to do this. <laughs> it was like the Roger audition all over again. <laughs> Big Spencer. You're in the jacket. But it, it's like, what, what, what do you do in... The show must go on. The show must go on. And it was for someone else. It was for a dear friend of yours. So that yes. makes you step up a bit more, maybe? Uh... And not be as afraid? Or was it for the play as well? You wanted to keep the play I, on? Do you know what? I def- you don't I know. don't know. I don't know. I, but just, yeah. I put on this actor's costumes, which are ten times too big for me, including the shoes. Uh, oh, yes? For some reason. Why did you... I don't know. Because I, uh, it was the interval, and the audience were coming back in, and the actor was sick, and I said, uh, I'll do it. <laughs> I actually have a quote. I commend Lisa. Oh, God. Not only for writing a spectacular script, but also being brave enough to undertake such a main role so unexpectedly <laughs> and being extremely good within it. Although it was unfortunately one of their main characters so suddenly because of the ta- sheer talent of the actors <laughs> alongside the perfectly written script. Yeah. So and I, I just want to acknowledge that point that, you know, you having a mental health condition does not mean then anyone around you can go, oh, well, you couldn't really do that. Like someone would might have said, and might have been like, how did you, how can you have both these things and be able to Yeah, do that? that's interesting interesting isn't it yeah, yeah it's like you say with actors yeah. you can suffer from I know quite a few actors who suffer from terrible stage fright and panic attacks and they're some of the best actors I know and it, 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 do you think is it, surely that can't be good for you to feel that overwrought and and to do yeah. it anyway. yeah well it was a sign for me uh, to get you know more help and I think it should always be and like it doesn't mean that they're not ever going to stop but it means that uh, yeah, but in that in that performance that you've <laughs> you passed out on stage but then improvised that it was part of it <laughs> and carried on with the show it's very fortunate that the the play the play the play was very relevant to that sort of behaviour. I hate you. Imagine if it was something like uh, I don't know, Noel Coward, or just yeah, no. It, I I it was the perfect play for me to paint in. But then we all let you carry on. When I'm we really glad you, you did. <laughs> I felt bad though because I think other oh, actors were like, oh, we're done now. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, because they predict. Yeah, no, but I, it worked. It totally. I hope it worked. People were like, didn't know it was real. No, yeah, they didn't, didn't realise that you'd actually passed out. They thought. <laughs> so I don't recommend it. No, um, no, but we're what an amazing company. Because then, I, you know, and again, this is what's really important. So at the end, you all, I will never forget. You all gathered round me. I was on a chair. You were all so kind. 
because uh, I obviously thought I'd been playing for the world. Uh, and um, you were so kind and so supportive. And, you know, it's moments like that that you need. Because I could have then walked off and not walked on a stage again. I know, but how strong must you be mentally? <laughs> to carry on or how it? obsessed I am it's with weird, the play isn't it? yeah. where my priorities lie yeah um, Lisa before we go um, any more little nuggets of things you'd like to recommend even if it's just um, experiences behaviour you've already mentioned the power of now you've already mentioned accepting the feeling as it comes and um, rolling with whatever and rec- and having the separation from it. Are there any yeah. other tools you are grateful for that you turn to? I think everybody should have... Well, not everybody should have. You do what you like. <laughs> <laughs> but favourite things, and that is also... You know, favourite foods and favourite yeah. films. Which change, and, and that's fine. Yeah, Movies, just whatever. Things that make you feel... Go to feel good things okay um and allow yourself to indulge allow yourself I think I find that when you feel because you do it if you're ill don't you with chicken pox or like <laughs> chicken pox but you you then you know you get you have your soup and your luke or you you treat yourself or you watch yes. a nice film yes and do it with mental illness totally. too yeah you put Mamma Mia on. You get oh, yourself yeah. a get hairbrush, sing it, um, sing it out. Yeah, and I think that comes from treat yourself. Yeah. What you were saying about the and the, I, I really hope this is a big takeaway for everyone listening because you've emphasised this beautifully throughout. Which is this: it's not your fault. You have done nothing mm. wrong to bring this on, and you must indulge it like a, any other illness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and be kind to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And accept it. And sometimes you just, you know, sometimes you just feel terrible. And that's all right. It's all right. Yeah. And on that note. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you. <laughs> and that's Lisa. Thank you so much for sharing, Lisa. Uh, interesting chats towards the end about this this pride thing. And I just I hope, um, you know, I think what we got to by the end of it uh, is that, it, you know, it's whatever works for you that makes you feel good about yourself and can. And it's yeah, it's not to do with effort or anything. You the tiniest, tiniest thing seeing that as a as a positive step forward and that might be a step backwards in in like kind of you know social connotations which is rubbish like there's there's nothing backwards there's only forwards and it's accepting what you need in the moment and looking after yourself reaching out taking time you know all those things and i hope that comes across and it'll be interesting to chat to other people about their, that vocabulary as well but whatever makes you feel good about you because you deserve it Toolkit Reminder, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, a brilliant read. Daring Greatly, The Power of Vulnerability by Brené Brown. I really recommend all of her books. They're wonderful. www.mind.org.uk, the Mind official website. 
And a little short film. Uh, my brother, my brilliant brother, Adam Tyler, he made this uh, with Emily, who is a poet and a teacher. And she has bipolar disorder and she just talks so beautifully about her journey with that. It's called Reply with a Full Stop if you get this. You can find it on YouTube or TrueTube, which is uh, the website and organisation it was made for. They're a brilliant team who make short educational films for secondary school students about social issues that may affect them or their peers. So check that out as well. And a little final thought for the day, uh, which I did with my season one trailer, where I uh, read an excerpt of Chris Gethard's book, Lose Well, brilliant, brilliant book. I thought I might continue it on. Uh, And this week, uh, there's a short video I found recently uh, where Chris Evans, Captain America himself, uh, talks about his um, experiences with anxiety and depression. Uh, If you Google Chris Evans advice for people with anxiety and depression, it should come up. I think the the channel is Motivation Madness. Uh, It might work for you or help you. It might not have any relevance but um it, it reminded me of what lisa was talking about about you know the loud chatter of your head uh and how um you know so many thoughts going back and forth and actually just shh, telling it to quiet and down and just having a little moment with that watch the video see what you think thank you so much to ellie novella for your wonderful support throughout this process your editing support your artwork your opening song and your interview which will be coming up on season one and thank you so much to dave crib and great big Owl productions for giving this podcast a platform thanks team have a wonderful week look after yourselves and we'll be back next week bye mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.